Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. I am not Chris, but I'm filling in for him tonight. This is U Street. And joining me today for our special bowl game and recruiting extravaganza talk is Blake, Iowa Gopher. It's good to be back. Excited to be here. And Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Howdy. Well, we've taken a bit of time off, both from uh, the blog in general, as a few of our commenters have pointed out, and also the Sky U podcast, but we're very excited to be back. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is uh, the upcoming bowl game that the Govers are playing in Detroit against Georgia Tech. Blake, I'm led to believe you have a detailed preview of this game for us. Yeah, I spent a lot of time this week just kind of diving into Georgia Tech, what makes him tick. You know, It's Paul Johnson's last game as head coach at Georgia Tech, um, so it's obviously going to be there. We want to send him off um, with a victory. Um, but what I've been able to figure out, you know, what I've been able to determine through like my thorough research, which I've, you know, done at the sacrifice of my day job, um, even my personal life too, a lot of the social stuff I had to turn down to do this. But, um, what I've discovered is they run the triple option offense, uh, the ranked top ranked rushing offense in the nation. Um, and they're decent on defense. Think we're going to win? You know, I don't know. It's a, that Paul Johnson factor, you know, they, they're going to want to send him off with a victory. I mean, if it's going to be a big test for uh, defensive coordinator Joe Rossi. If he can stop the triple option, I think they're in good shape. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know what to expect. I think, I think it's more of a toss-up than some people might think. I think, a lot of people, I think Georgia Tech is the favorite right now. I'm not sure by how much, but it should be a good game, hopefully. Andy, do you think that Georgia Tech or Minnesota is going to win this bowl game? You know, I think it'll come down to uh, can the Gophers do a fairly good job of stopping the run. Um, you know, if Joe Rossi has has prepared, he, you know, he gave a he was talking at his weekly press briefing, whatever today, and was saying, you know, it helps to have three weeks to to try and get prepared for for the option, which is good. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Gophers actually do on defense. We know Blake Cashman is uh, not playing in the bowl game. He's decided to go uh, try and and get ready for a potential NFL career. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Gophers try and work their defensive front. Do they, you know, play more like a two-five front and, and throw a whole bunch of linebackers out there, or do they go, um, you know, still with their standard set? Um, does Carter Coughlin play more of that R end, or do they bring him back to play more of a more of an outside linebacker spot? Um, you know, I think I think the Gophers will do pretty well. Um, I, honestly, I think it'll probably be a, a one-score game either way. Um, you know. I'll, I'll be willing to, in predictions, say the Gophers are going to win. But if Minnesota loses by a touchdown, that wouldn't wouldn't shock me either. And it's definitely not the end of the world if that happens. I was going to note too that the, in addition to Cashman, um, Donnell Green is the other starter who's um, skipping the bowl game to start preparing for his NFL career, and he's the starting um, left tackle. So Fleck did say that. Um, redshirt freshman Curtis Dunlap, or not, he's not a redshirt actually. He, he, well, he is redshirting, but he's a true freshman. Curtis Dunlap will start the bowl game, which would suggest he's playing guard because um, that Dunlap is a guard. That means probably, um, I'm going to butcher his name. Is it Blaise Andres? Is that how you say his name? Am I messing that up? No, that's pretty good. Uh, I think he, he should be. He'll be moving to left tackle, and then Dunlap will slot in um, in his guard position. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that'll be the alignment next season because uh, you got Weiler graduating at center, and then some people think Connor Olsen will move over, but it'll give us a chance to kind of see a glimpse of the future of the offensive line since we'll have Falele, 
um, Blaze Andrees, Curtis Dunlap, Connor Olsen. So that'll be something interesting to watch if you're looking for a reason to care about the bowl game. The right side of that line is going to be absolutely gigantic. The other news before we discuss recruiting is that the Gophers have themselves a new linebacker coach whose name I cannot pronounce. Andy, say it. I don't. I can't say it either. Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to be the uh, the sacrificial lamb on this one. Okay. You said it, you said it once before the podcast. So well, well, I trust. I'll I'll go with uh, Harris Simiak. Joe Harris Simiak. H a r a s y m i a k a k. Joe Harris Simiak is, you know, if that's not Harris. All right. Harris. Well, as the old Tecmo Bowl way of naming things, uh, linebacker Joe will be the new linebackers coach for the University of Minnesota. He was the head coach at Maine, compiled, what, a 20-15 and 15 record over a few seasons as a head coach and made their way to the semifinals. Uh, do we generally think this is a good pickup? I mean, I'm always fascinated by the leap from head coach, even an FCS program, to position coach at a Power 5 school. That's, that's sort of interesting to me, but I, it kind of depends on what his career trajectory is. I assume if he's a head coach at Maine, he wants to be eventually be a head coach at you know a power five or FBS school. So um, I think he's certainly qualified for the job. He's had a lot of success at Maine, and he's and obviously um, he worked under Rossi for a year when Rossi was defensive coordinator at Maine back in I think 2011. So obviously there's a relationship there. Um, generally, I think, um, and he sounds like he's got the personality that Fleck looks for in a lot of his assistants. So I think he'll be a good fit. Um, yeah, I'm excited for to see what he can do with the linebackers. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I think this is a pretty good hire. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I think, you know, you would, you would think it's a taking a big step down going from a FCS head coach to a, you know, a power five, you know, position coach. But I think the thing that, you know, nobody really knows is, is the money. Apparently he was the lowest paid coach in whatever conference Maine was in, in, in FC, the Colonial Athletic Association. He was only making like $130,000 a year as a head coach. I think I'm pretty sure the Gophers' lowest paid position coach is about two fifty a year. So um, so he'll be getting probably almost double a salary to, to move from a, a head coach to a, to a position coach in, in, uh, in the Power Five. So um, and, and as we've seen, you know, PJ Flex staff has a has a history of uh, taking assistance and, and moving them up into into better spots. So um, if he's as good a defensive mind as appears he might be, and if, if Joe Rossi continues to have uh, have the defense playing the well it does, this could be a stepping stone to a to a bigger leap for him. And uh, either way, I think he. You know, he's a younger guy. He's only thirty-two, I think. So I think it's an, as as uh, Blake was saying. You know, a, a younger guy fits in well with the rest of the of the Fleck type staff, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is a pretty good hire going forward. My general view is, as long as he's better than the last guy who was coaching the linebackers for the University of Minnesota, I'll be quite pleased. I also don't think that's a tremendously high bar to hit. So there we are. The other big news, of course, that happened uh, this week is that we had the early signing day for the 2019 recruiting class. The Gophers are more or less finished, though one of their uh, commits that was expected to sign, Christian Williams, who's a four-star defensive tackle out of Memphis, elected not to sign in the early signing period. And so it is now, instead of signed, considered a hard commit, which is a somewhat strange euphemism for chose to back out of a commitment at the last moment. 
one hopes that the Gophers are able to land him. But broadly, I think we're generally reasonably pleased with this class. So overall, looking at Andy, what do you generally think about the class? What's your 30,000-foot overview? Well, 30,000-foot overview, um, defensive line is obviously where we uh, we really made the most impact on this class, uh, even without Williams, and you hope he, he decides to get in the boat in February. Um, between Rashad Cheney, Keontae Shad, and... Uh, uh, Devion Harris, MJ Anderson. I mean, you've got you've got a couple of guys who hopefully will be you know starting on your line here within a year or two. Um, you've got speed, you've got bulk, um, really filling holes. And and you know as we saw the, the the defensive line has improved this year from last year for sure. But there's still has a long way to go. And if the Gophers can ever find multiple people who can put on a consistent pass rush. Um, so that we have more than one guy who's a sack threat at one time, um, you know that that can only improve the linebacking and secondary play as well. Um, I think the other thing that the Gophers really improved on was their speed. Um, you know, whether it be a whether it be a Namdi Adim Madere on the outside um, at receiver, whether it be a Tyler Newbin playing corner, um, they got bigger, they got faster, um, they got more bodies that can be molded into Big Ten type players rather than molding, you know, maybe Mac type bodies into potential Big Ten players. So I think, uh, you know, I think they've really done a good job of getting kids in here. Now we just need to let the strength coaches work on them for a few months and uh, we'll see who might be able to make an impact right away in 2019. Blake, do you have anything to add or would you like to discuss your personal favorite offensive recruit? I mean, I'd just say I think it's... um... Another good class from Fleck. Um, I believe it's the highest-ranked bank-to-back-to-back classes they've had in the internet recruiting era at Minnesota. Um, I think uh, it's a step, little step back in terms of rankings from last year. I think they ended up 36 this year nationally and eighth in the Big Ten, so kind of middle of the pack Big Ten. Um, 36 is still pretty good um, overall, but uh, I, I think the big thing for me. Um, it maybe doesn't have kind of the – it's not as top-heavy maybe as last year was, but there's just more meat on the bone, especially in the middle of the class, which um, I don't think we've seen We've seen a lot in the past. Usually it's a lot of lower-rated guys that are going to need to be developed quickly, whereas this one I think it's just a very solid group from top to bottom, and it kind of feels like the, the floor of, of this class, so to speak, has been the ceiling for maybe previous coaching staffs. So it's clear Fleck has kind of taken the recruiting to a new level and – Hopefully it's hard. It's hard to know now. Just like looking at him, you know, you can only put so much stock in recruiting rankings. But hopefully, we'll start to see it pay off a couple of years down the road. I as is perhaps well certainly well known by our fellow writers, but perhaps not well known to the blog audience in general. Find quite a bit of the discussion about recruiting to be very silly. However, I think that one of the broad points that I would make that is a math point and less so than anything else is, well, twofold. One, any class composite that goes to the fourth and sometimes fifth significant digit is an absurd system. There is absolutely no difference between someone who is ranked 0.86 and 0.864564. That's the first one. The second one is that if you assume either uh, you have some distribution in your head or some data generating process of how good recruits are and you put some numbers on them as you might do with recruiting or you think you want to consider that process but you don't have a hard model for that 
and you run various tests. So for example, you'd run a t-test, or you'd run something called a Mann-Whitney test, which would be two fairly simple ways of doing this. What you will find is that last year's class and this class have no statistical difference between them. And last year's class was the best class, according to everyone, in the actual recruiting era. Some may note that Tim Brewster supposedly had a better class, but Tim Brewster also had a better class at a time when internet recruiting services were certainly garbage. Whether they're still garbage now is an open question, but they definitely were at the time. Two, most of the people from that class did not make it to campus, as I believe we talked extensively last year when we were talking about recruiting era um, classes and, and flex class of last year. So if you were excited by flex class last year, you should also very much be excited about this class this year. Uh, Andy, you talked already about Namdi. Uh, is there any other top offensive recruit or is this the top offensive recruit of the class to you? Um, you know, I think the other the other name that obviously it's going to stand out to everybody just because of the position he plays is going to be Jacob Clark at quarterback. Um, Texas quarterback played against some of the best Texas high school talent and, and really impressed and, uh, you know, it's got an arm. PJ Fleck called him a gunslinger and talking about, uh, talking about the crews the other day. Um, you know, he, he's not afraid to chuck it deep. Something that I think we still are waiting to see in a gopher quarterback is, is we've got, uh, you know, we, we saw both Anikstad and Morgan struggle a little bit with the deep ball here this year. So, um, you know, if he, Six five two ten. He's got your prototypical quarterback size. If he can really uh, get the mental part down and and get into it, um, you know we could have a three way competition for uh, for the starting job this spring. Um, you know another one who I I really am a fan of, and I think he'll end up redshirting next year, um, and he may play on offense, he may not. Eventually, will be uh, will be Jason Williamson out of Owatonna. Uh, he just absolutely was an abs it beast. Uh, at running back for Owatonna this year, uh, two-time Gatorade Minnesota Player of the Year, uh, state champion, had over 30 touchdowns and over 3,000 rushing yards this season alone. Um, you know he, he he's a he's a slower guy, but it'll be interesting to see if if uh, you know he can work in at uh, running back in the Big Ten or if he's just going to make one hell of a linebacker backer or safety someday. But uh, I think his, uh, his athletic ability will be able to shape himself and he'll be, a, he'll be a hell of a player for the Gophers somewhere on the field in the next few years. Blake, how about you? Um, I mean, I'll reiterate about uh, Nam, as he's known, or his full name is Nam D. Adim Adumir, I think. Um, but, you know, he's a 6'3", 226-pound wide receiver. He's basically got wide receiver speed in a tight end's body. Um, he's just, it's just a ridiculous combination of size and speed. I think if of the skill position players in this class, he's the one that I think has the best chance um, of seeing the field next year, just because he's a pure mismatched nightmare for any opposing defense. Um, but I'd say the other, um, offensive recruit that I, that kind of stands out to me is, um, JJ Guaday. Um, cause I mean, last year, you remember Fleck took, I think seven offensive linemen, this one, they've got. Logan Richter, who will be converted um, defensive lineman, and then Tyler Cooper is maroon shirting. Um, so he'll essentially be walking on for a semester. But, so that kind of leaves J.J. Guaday all by himself, which should say a lot if he's their top offensive lineman and they felt comfortable just taking him. Um, he's got the massive frame. I think he's 6'7", 300-some pounds, and he's still kind of filling out. But he's pretty quick for a guy of his size. So I'm kind of excited. I mean, he'll he's not a guy that I don't think will make any immediate impact um, although, I mean, they don't have a ton of depth on the offensive line, 
Um, so if things get a little hairy, he could be forced into uh, an early start like we saw with you know Falele this last year. Um, but he's a guy that I think will be an interesting player, could be a huge factor on the offensive line um, a couple years down the road. Yeah, and with with Gaudet, like you were saying, you know, he 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 basically gained sixty pounds of muscle in the last nine months. I mean, when when he first committed to the Gophers, I think he was like six seven, two thirty five or something like that. And all of a sudden, he got basically connected with a little bit of strength training, and it's just packed on the muscle. So I think it only bodes well for the Gophers, you know, with with our okay depth at O line, if they can keep him redshirted and give him a full year in the strength program. Watch out. This kid could really be something special. On the defensive side of the ball, the most obvious success of the class is the defensive line, Rashad Cheney, most importantly. And, of course, if Christian Williams ends up signing. And then, as Blake and Andy mentioned, also MJ Anderson. Apart from the defensive line, are there any other defensive recruits that you are particularly high on? I would say I really like the two linebackers, um, James Gordon and Donald Willis. I know that they're both guys that um, schools like, you know, I think Miami made a late push for James Gordon and Willis had a ton of Big Ten schools coming after him. Um, They're both just guys that can, that are very versatile. They've got good athleticism. They can make, they can play from sideline to sideline. They can drop back into coverage. They're just, they're exactly what you want a linebacker. They're kind of from the Blake Cashman mold of, um, you know, if you need to rush, rush the passer and blitz, they can. If you need to draw back into coverage, they can. If you need to stop the run, they can. Um, I think it'll be very interesting, too, because next year we've got a very senior-heavy class of linebackers with, you know, Coughlin, Martin, and Barber. So we're kind of see we'll see a changing of the guard, which will include, I think, these two um, linebackers and also, I think, Mariano, Sorry, Marin, and Thomas Rush, two guys, two, two true freshmen that saw a lot of action this year, mostly on special teams, but... Um, I think it'll be interesting to watch, especially with you know the new linebackers coach, um, how that new group comes up and what kind of talent they have to work with there. But um, yeah, on defense, to me, those two really stood out. Yeah, no, I like the I like the linebackers a lot too. But the guy I'm really excited for is, is uh, Tyler Newbin, cornerback, six three one ninety out of St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, tall, big, can tackle, has speed. Um, you know, I think. If, if he is as good as advertised, you throw him on an island on one side and you throw Terrell Smith on an island on the other side and you've got two potential shutdown corners in a year or two where um, you could start doing a lot more things creatively on defense if you've got two corners you trust to uh, play man-on-man on the outside. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think the potential is really there with him to develop into something special here over the course of the next couple of seasons. I'm legitimately surprised that none of you on either the on the offense side of the ball or just decided to go rogue on the defensive side of the ball mentioned Mike Brown Stevens, who is, I believe, what John Legend's nephew. Yes. As uh, as anyone who is unaware, Andy's major view as to why Mike Brown Stevens was a coup was that it's possible he will be able at some point to meet Chrissy Teigen at a Gophers football game. That, that's just not my sole opinion. Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Gopher, who's not here right now, also has uh, very, uh, very strong feelings on that. Anyway, uh, Ms. Tegan, if you would like to come on our podcast, we are super open for that particular point. Uh, Andy might drool a little bit. Someone did float the idea on Twitter, I think, of John Legend being the game, being the picker for like, 2020. 
2021 matchup between Minnesota and Ohio State, if game, if theoretically game day were to come to that game, um, for whatever reason, John Legend would have you know ties to both teams. So something to think about three years down the road. Well, let's let's definitely hope that happens. I'm still I still believe it's the case that Minnesota has never had game day come to Minneapolis, right? Yeah, they're like one of twelve Power Five teams that haven't had a haven't hosted game day yet. Of which, like, three are the Big Ten, too. So it's not like we're alone in that in the Big Ten, but yeah. Is one of them Rutgers? I think Rutgers and Illinois are for sure in there. All right, so one other team is in the Big Ten, and one of them is <laughs> Rutgers. <laughs> well, the only reason, the only reason Indiana got it is they got that token season-opening host of Ohio State this year. So, you know, maybe we can back our way into that in 2021 as well. John Legend and first week Minnesota Ohio State. The future is is really looking bright, gentlemen. Uh, lastly, I think we're generally of the opinion that this class continues uh, to look in a positive direction. Do you think, looking forward, that uh, the team is still identifying holes, or do you think that there are key weaknesses that in either this next class or uh, a class from now that the team will very much have to address. In other words, if you are someone who does spend a lot of time on Twitter following uh, teenaged football players, which teenage football players do you expect position-wise you're going to need to look for? Uh, I would say for me, the way they've handled the safety position is a little strange. I think they've only got maybe two or three scholarship players at the safety position. One of them, I think, is Calvin Swenson, who is a walk-on and got a scholarship, so I'm not sure if you really want to count him. Um, but this class, you notice they didn't bring in any safeties, although the Juco defensive back, Calvin Clemens, I think can play um, corner or safety. Um, but I think, and I think their solution to that is just they're going to do a lot of mixing and matching. You know, like Winfield will play the money position. Williamson, I think last year played the money position. Um, they're kind of playing around with guys. I think Chenault played some safety um, last season when he's traditionally a corner. So um, they seem to be content with not like pigeonholing guys as either corner or safety. They do a lot of play, playing around, but I still think you need a safety type guy in here. And they're definitely, I think this next rec- recruiting class will want to get at least one or two high school safeties um, on campus. I'm just kind of fill out that position. Otherwise, to me, I think they've done a pretty good job um, filling a lot of the deficits, especially on defensive line and the offensive line, which they've had to do by necessity. Offensive line, I think it's just a matter of getting those guys developed because they're just the majority of them right now are just very young. Um, that'll be the case, too, on the defensive line, although we have um, some good upperclassmen next year with Keontae Shad and O.J. Smith. Um, but to me, I think that Flecken, their staff, even with just two full recruiting classes in the original recruiting class that came in with, have done a good job of um, kind of reshaping their roster and filling a lot of the holes. We're, we're now just to a point where we need to get these guys um, developed, and then that's where how you start building you know, success on the field and good depth. So, But for me, yeah, I'm just curious how they're handling that safety position just because it seems like it's something that they've neglected. But um, he's Fleck is so detail-oriented, it's just surprising. He's got to have a plan there, so... I'll just have to trust trust the process. 
Yeah, you know, I would definitely sort of agree on that. As, as the, you know, secondary depth as a whole, as we saw with this year with a few injuries, again, we were sort of, you know, scraping the the bottom of the barrel there for a while. So um, if we've learned anything the last two seasons is, is that secondary depth, you can't have too much of it, especially as teams are playing more nickel and dime um, against more spread offenses. Uh, if you can get as many corners and safeties who can who can legitimately play on the ball as possible, that, that can only help you. Um, and as, as Blake said, you know, a lot's going to be, this next season's going to be seeing how some of these younger players are developing. Um, you know, you always want to continue offensive line depth and we've got a lot of young players who will be you know redshirt freshmen and and sophomores coming into the season next year um a lot of whom who we haven't seen or heard really anything but because they've been redshirting the uh, the jack yorks of the world and, and things like that so um you know if they can if they seem to be on a good track and developing then you've got some good depth and, and backups that's good if not you know that's a slot where you could again same thing as the secondary it it never hurts to get three, four good, solid offensive linemen in every class as you can because you can guarantee that you're going to lose one or two at some point during the season to injury. And as we saw this year, at, um, if, if Sam Schluter is your backup tackle, you could be in deep, deep trouble here. So it's always good to have uh, better depth options than, than to have at the moment. That that makes sense to me. So I guess finally, as we covered at the very beginning of this podcast, we had an in-depth preview for the exhibition game against Georgia Tech. Andy, what is your prediction for the exhibition game against Georgia Tech? Uh, there's going to be a lot of running the ball. That's my prediction. Um, I think the Gophers will do their share as well between uh, Muhammad Ibrahim and Bryce <laughs> Williams. Um, you know, uh, just taking a, taking a quick look here, it looks like the the uh, Georgia Tech is a five-point uh, favorite, and People are thinking it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game. The uh, the over/under is fifty-seven and a half, which I'm I'm a little surprised with. I guess they're thinking both these defenses aren't uh, aren't going to really stand up to much. But uh, you know, I, I can't uh, I can't necessarily disagree. Um, I think the Gophers are going to give uh, Emmett Carpenter his glory on the way out, and they'll win on a walk-off field goal, thirty-four, thirty-one. Blake, what is your prediction for the exhibition game against Georgia Tech? I see it playing out a lot like Jerry Kill's first bowl game against um, Texas Tech, where uh, it seemed like a lot of people were thinking Texas Tech was just going to have their way with them, but the Gophers actually looked pretty decent and kept with them most of the game. I think that'll be the case here. Um, I just think Georgia Tech, that rushing offense, is just too good right now for them to handle. I think it's going to be a good learning experience for Minnesota's defense, and I think Georgia Tech will be motivated to want to send Paul Johnson out on a good note. Um, but I do think it'll be a close game. I think they'll win something like a 34-31 type of game, but uh, be a good experience. All right. My prediction is that absolutely no one will care about the score of this game in six months. And because I'm a homer, Minnesota wins by four. But on that note, thank you very much, as usual, for listening to the SkyU podcast. Go Gophers, SkyU Ma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.